Hello, it's Terry, and welcome to another episode of the Animation Industry Podcast. In this episode, I have a really useful chat with an awesome 2D animator about practical things you can do to pick up easy connections with other animators and studios and push yourself to network, even if it's out of your comfort zone. We're also going to chat about some of the not-so-talked-about things that you need to do to get hired that have absolutely nothing to do with your animation skills. So if you're looking for work or you want to network in the industry more, this is a fantastic listen that can help you take some small steps towards becoming more well-known in this industry and hopefully lead to your next contract. The awesome 2D animator who I mentioned is named Josh Pinker, and he has worked on more than a dozen TV shows, including Teen Titans Go, My Little Pony, Unikitty, Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood, Corner Gas, and the Cyanide and Happiness Shorts. Now, originally Josh is from New Jersey, and he went and got an animation degree at Leslie University, but now he's animating in Toronto on the show Big Blue at Guru Studio. But besides all this, Josh is also currently working on an ebook called Your Animated Journey, which is a self-help guide to get into the animation industry. And we are chatting about some of the really helpful advice he's compiled into this guide, which is based not only on his experience, but the collaborative experiences of many of his coworkers and experts in the industry as well. And if you're curious about this ebook and getting a copy for yourself, Josh is actually running a Kickstarter right now that you can jump on. And I'll include a link to that in the description of this podcast. Now let's jump right into the chat. So hi, Josh. Thank you so much for coming on the chat. How are you doing this evening? I am doing great. Thank you so much for having me, even though I asked you to have me on this podcast. <laughs> well, uh, yes. <laughs> I'm glad about that too. No, and I... I after chatting with you, I think it's you have some really interesting things to talk about. Specifically, one thing that I didn't really think about before was you're from the U.S. and you saw more potential in animation by coming to Canada, whereas most people I've talked to uh, here see the U.S. as like this giant hub of like animation awesomeness. So I want to talk to you about why you made the move to Canada. But first, I always like to you know find out what your initial goal or inspiration was to pursue this career so for you where did that come from um all right so i'll do the inspiration first yeah um, so it was probably like we're going like back to like high school it was like the end of high school and i had to like think about where i wanted to go to school and in my mind, I just really wanted to, like, whatever I go to school for, this is what is going to be my career. I don't want to be like those people that they go to school and it's like, oh, I'm undecided right now. And then school takes way longer. And then they get a degree and then they end up not using it. And then it was like a waste of time. So I was like, I want to. So it was like I was setting up two goals for myself. I was like. I want to have a goal where like, this is where I go to school. And then the second goal, what I learned from school is going to be my career. So then it was really matching up my personality and like what I like, and then matching those interests to what I want to go to school for. So I loved video games, but I was like, ah, that seems too complicated. Like, I don't know how to make a video game and like 3d just looked really complicated. And then um, I love comic books, but I was like terrible at like charring. And even in school, like I took the base, I had a C in art class in high school. And then, um, 
and then it came down to animation, 2D animation. And I was told like that's super niche, but I was like, that's so cool. Cause it's like, I watch cartoons and that'll be so cool to go to school and get to learn that. So it's like, I'm not doing like big, like classes or big, like, like math and science and all those classes that like, I don't want to deal with. Like I could go to an art school and just like have fun classes. And then to then know that after that I can be working at a studio and I'm not working in a cubicle. I'm not wearing a suit and tie to work and, and kind of working corporate jobs. So I was like, it all kind of lines up. Um, so that's kind of the background with that. And then in terms of, I guess the second part was then going from us to Canada. Sure. But first I like, this all sounds very methodical. So you're just in high school and you're like, trying to make very driven decisions and you're like i like comic books but i like cg but it's too complicated so i'm gonna go to art school even though i didn't do well in art school like most most people i talk to and even myself included like kind of had dreams as a as like a small kid you know growing up with tv and wanting to tell stories but for you it sounds different i guess where you were like (laughs) it was completely different because I never was like, I never had a sketchbook. I never wanted to like visit art museums. Like I wasn't into art as like a specific like genre and like hobby. And I was like playing sports all through high school and like even before that. But then I was like, like I even got a few like grants for like my accomplishments in sports that I was able to put towards colleges. But I was like, I'm not good enough to like get a full scholarship or like go on to be pro or anything like that. And I wasn't interested in going to college, like specifically for a sport. Um, and yeah, it was just like a really last minute, like this is my plan a, and I have no other plans. And I went to school and I applied to school with no portfolio. And I was just like, they're like, so, like, do you have a portfolio and stuff? I was like, no, I'm paying you guys to teach me. Like, I want to learn this and I'm passionate about it. And then they're like, okay, if you can pay, you're in. And I was like, cool. And yeah. <laughs> you bypassed the portfolio system by being like, I have money. <laughs> yeah. And also it was, it was the thing. Um, there was a lot of schools where obviously like you need a portfolio to get in. And it's like, here's our portfolio review sessions. And then I would like visit art schools and like seeing the work from freshmen. And it's like unbelievable work. And I was just like, okay, this is too intimidating. Like I want to go to a school where it's like equal level. Um, so lucky for me, um, I got into, so it's the, it's the art Institute of Boston but it's not like the AI schools, the art institutes, they see the commercials. It was kind of like a private school Mm -hmm. because it was tied in with Leslie university. Um, So Leslie university had like the teachers and like they had the sports and stuff in the dorm rooms. And then kids would like take the academic courses there and then go to the art institute to take their classes and then a few years ago they like actually combined the buildings and now it's like all together um so yeah so i didn't need a portfolio and it was really like easy to like 
easy learning curve to start off learning there. And everyone was kind of like mixed levels. It wasn't like everyone's amazing and I'm going to like flunk out. Like it was a nice, it was an easy transition for me and to like work up my skills like throughout the four years. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's a good point because I, I myself had this like opinion that if I didn't get into one of the top schools for animation, like it would be so hard to enter the industry. And I, I've talked to people who are trying to get into Sheridan, for instance, and they're like debating other schools and and they're afraid of the same thing. Like, if I don't get into a top school, how am I going to make this career? But you're a good example of going to. I, I did it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I went to also I went to. So I'm from New Jersey and then I went to our Institute of Boston mainly because um, my dad was living in Boston at the time. So he's like, oh, I found this school. I recommend it. But prior to that. I went to like Full Sail University in Florida, like I did a tour, but it's like, okay, this is like a big well-known school, but it was like two years and they didn't have dorms and it was, I had no financial aid. So I was like, all right, forget this. And then there was like, I think I looked into CalArts, but then I was like, ah, I don't want to move all the way to California. And this is my first time being away from home. So like, Boston was only like a four hour drive and still on the East coast. Um, and then when I went to school, it, they're like, Oh yeah, RISD and SCAD. And I was like, what are these schools? So it's like, I kind of got in and I was happy where I was, but I didn't do good research and like knowing how like these top tier schools are at other places. Um, but at the same time, it's like, I feel like even if I knew about them, there's no way I could have got in. <laughs> So then how did you end up, uh, I guess, creating an, an animation portfolio that compete with people that went to like, you know, SCAD or CalArts or whatnot? Um, I couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> or coming coming couldn't. out of school. Um, that was the thing. That was like, there was so much anxiety going through school because I got like shit on so much with my work because it was just like I was learning at the same time of like developing my skill and there was kids in my class that they're like this is my style i've been drawing all my life i love art and i'm like cool i i just started this is my first sketchbook and i'm 19. um but i think most of it was learning curve and then when i graduated i had just like my junior film from like the third year in my senior film but it wasn't they weren't that great but I think what made my portfolio shine was the work I had for my internship and then because I had like that little bit of professional umness like in my portfolio there's a studio in New York they're they're like oh my kid watches that show like that's so cool like okay you must know what you're doing like you're hired so it was just like that little bit even though like everything else in my portfolio was like mediocre and like okay and it looked like student work and it nowhere compared to some of the work from other kids that were graduating other students that are graduating it was just like perfect timing and it was like this is that little piece and it was the perfect person that saw it and they're like okay you know what you're doing it's good enough you know so then uh how did you make the jump from working at that studio in new york to coming to canada or why why did you make that jump in the first place so everyone 
kind of gives it like the stereotype like oh animation california or also like new york so i first again i was like i'm right out of school i'm back home in jersey like i don't have money to just move out to california to look for work and when i would reach out to people that worked at like nickelodeon cartoon network i would like hey i just graduated here's my portfolio like do you think I would be a good fit? Do you know what's going on? And they're like, we don't have animation jobs available, but we have storyboarding and we have like character design. And I was like, but I want to, I want animation. And like your Nickelodeon, your cartoon network, like you have all the shows that I've been watching that kind of inspire me to want to work on one of your shows. And they're like, no, we just do like the pre-production and then we outsource that stuff to like Korea, China, Philippines, Mexico, or like little studios throughout the U.S. or Canada. So that just like blew my mind. And I was just like, oh, crap. Like I didn't know about outsourcing. Like when I was in school, they just they strictly were like, here's Adobe Flash. Here's how animating on paper works here's how stop motion like it was just like a tunnel of like how to animate there's nothing about industry and stuff like that like we would have people come in and talk but it was just kind of like here's my work here's what we're doing it's like oh my god this is amazing but there was still like there was a lot of gray area and a gap of like the actual getting into the industry and like what the industry is like quote unquote um so i stayed on the east coast and i worked at a few studios in new york city and then i was lucky to like freelance for a studio like in california in connecticut florida while still like being at home in new jersey and then it came to the point where i was like okay like i've kind of tapped out all my resources and there was a lot of gaps where like all those resources had no more work. And when I was going back to when I was in school, we would take class trips to Ottawa animation festival. And I would always go to like the job fairs there. And I was always doing my research on like what, what cartoons I like. And then I would go on Wikipedia and see the production companies. And it was all Canadian studios. Everything was Canada. So then that's when I started like, okay, I need to start focusing on how can I go to Canada and stuff like that. And when I would go, it would just be like, deny, 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 because being a U.S. citizen. Um, so it wasn't until probably like, Two years after graduating, I got lucky with a studio and they were able to give me a work permit, um, which also I was just like, like everyone was saying no, but here they are like, yeah, we just give you a work permit. And I was like, why couldn't other people do this? But a lot of studios, if they're smaller, medium, it's too much work or they don't have the people to take care of it. Whereas the bigger studios, they just like they really need just talent. So it's like at the time it was, the show was in, in Adobe Flash. So they're like, everyone's graduating with Toon Boom, but, and we asked them to take an animation test, which is another thing. 
um, added on to like the stress of getting a job. And they're like, everyone's failing the test because they can't like take the test uh, because they don't know Adobe. And I was like, oh, I've been using Adobe like all of college and since I graduated. And they're like, okay, you're hired. Like if you can move here, perfect. Um, so then I was there on work permits and that was over in Vancouver. And then after the work permits, um, I was able to like turn it into permanent residency. And now I'm able to like live and work anywhere in Canada for like up to five years on the P on the permanent residency. And then I picked Toronto. So that's where I currently am now. And um, I picked Toronto cause like uh, just from hearing other people and just doing my research, there's so many animation studios, which are getting all the shows from the U S or from anywhere in the world, or they're coming up with their own content and starting to like come up with their own shows for Disney plus Amazon, stuff like that. So I just picked this as a good stomping ground. If you didn't have experience in flash, do you think you would have been able to come here eventually? Yeah, because I mean, if it's not Flash, then it's Toon Boom. So there's a lot of studios using Toon Boom. So yeah, it's it's honestly it's it's kind of the thing. It's like just do you have the experience using the program to do the animation? So would you would you say it's kind of common to see U.S. people in Toronto or Vancouver studios? I've been seeing a lot of Brazilians, to be honest. Like, I remember I was at one studio and the entire production company was all Brazilians. Like, I don't know if maybe it was like a little bit cheaper to like get their visas as opposed to like US, but definitely more Brazilians than Americans. But then I'll see a few Americans here, there um on productions but yeah it's it's always it's always going to be canadians because um animation studios they get a tax credit and if they have all canadians in their studio then they get a high percentage back in tax credit which goes back into like producing the shows and paying everyone so if they have someone that isn't Canadian, then they receive less. And then by having the work permit or PR, it basically covers that and they still get the same amount. So that's kind of, that's really what it is. It comes down to the money, to money issues. Like how much money is it going to cost a studio um, to have this person on? But at the same time, it's like, they're also thinking of the value you're going to bring. So it's like, okay, it's going to cost us money, but it's very little learning curve uh, to get this person and he's going to do great on the production as opposed to hiring someone who's Canadian right out of school, but they're yeah. still don't know the program well. And we have to have that learning curve of teaching them while also expecting them to make the deadlines. Makes sense. Yeah. So you mentioned before that you never wanted to end up in a corporate job, working in a cubicle, wearing a tie. Uh, are you living the dream after all this time now? <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's like, it was better than I expected because not only do I get to go to work and just look at cartoons all day, but pretty much for the most part, all the studios I go to are very, very lenient. And like, 
in terms of like the way I dress, like I could just wear like little cartoon graphic t-shirts. So it's like, I feel comfortable yeah. while I'm at work. And then the, the people that are working around me, like I could just turn and it's like, Hey, did you hear about that new video game? Or like, Oh, that new superhero movie. And it's like, everyone is so pop culture. They know everything. So it's just like great conversation with coworkers. And yeah. And then even, it's nice to know that I'm at a job where it's like you can have YouTube open, you can have Facebook open, like do whatever you want. As long as you make the deadline, like no one's going to be breathing down your neck. And that's what makes me even more comfortable. Just knowing like I, I have this deadline, but I can work the way I like to work comfortably. And I end up making that deadline. So what are you what are you actually doing right now in the studio? So right now, um, so I'm at Guru Studios right now, and I'm working on a brand new show called Big Blue. I can talk about it because it's been announced. Um, it's <laughs> I saw it recently. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's going to be on CB, CBC Kids. Um, and But what's kind of nice is it's not going to be so, like, educational kids show, which is, like, a lot of the shows that are kind of around right now. It's going to be more towards, like, 10 to like 12 so a little bit like preteen, a little bit older so it's it's still like kind of like a funny show and it's all underwater kind of like spongebob rules like they're underwater but they're not like swimming or floating like they're still walking around and it's like this group of kids and they go on like fun missions and stuff and like all the fish are kind of like kind of like the background characters in like spongebob like it's like talking fish characters and they have to like do missions and help out those characters um so i'm doing that but what, what are you doing on that <laughs> oh, on that i'm so i'm yeah. an anime um so every day it's just here's so we have um one episode is so one episode is the is the 30 minutes and then in that episode there's two like episodes two shorts so one 15 minute the other 15 minute and then we have two teams working on that and then i'm on one team and then we have the 15 minutes and then everyone gets divided up like okay here's one minute for you one minute for you and then it's like okay you have two weeks to uh complete whatever is assigned to you so one week I'll, they'll give me the character, they'll give me the background, they'll give me the animatic, and then I'm posing the character based on what's illustrated in the animatic, and then once that gets approved, then I move into animation, full animation of, like, any character that's in the scene, um, and it's, like, a really, really, it's funny, because when we started the animation director, he's like, we're not making animation we're making cartoons and animation is beautiful. It's like a piece of artwork. Cartoons is funny. Like cartoons is like snappy, like right to the point, like interesting, visually appealing kind of thing. And I, I thought that was really interesting that he said that. And um, but yeah, it's, it's coming out really good. Uh, it's going to be a great show. And then at night, I'm, <laughs> so I do that during the day. And then at night, I'm working on another cartoon for another studio. I can't talk too much about it, but it's going to be an adult-oriented show, which is, like, really awesome because I've always wanted to work on more adult-themed stuff. Um, 
and I can't wait for that to like come out more so I can talk about that more. So you're working full two full-time jobs. <laughs> yeah. I usually do. I I don't know I don't know why. I it it's funny because I feel like a lot of other uh a lot of other careers like if you're working at one company and then it's like another company is doing something similar it's like oh i want to work with you guys on that project they're like okay then you got to give your two-week notice to that company if you want to work with us like obviously can't do both but when it comes to freelancing it's like no one really cares like hey if you have the program at home if you have a few hours at night and on weekends like we'll give you a little portion and we can use all the help we can get kind of thing. So this is like the, the first I've ever heard where it's like, it's okay to work multiple jobs for like doing the same thing for multiple people. And like, I have the free time in the evening. So it's like, I just do like two, three hours a night and it's extra money and it's, it builds up my portfolio twice as fast. And it's like that cliche, like if you love what you're doing, then like, it's not hard work at all kind of thing. Well, dang, you're working two jobs, you're coming on podcasts, and uh, you wrote a book, which I guess we should talk about, because that's, that's kind <laughs> of what yeah, we talked about in the first place. <laughs> <clears throat> so can you give me kind of like uh, a little pitch for this book, like what it's about, who it's for? Yeah. So this year, 2020, this is going to be six years that I've been in the animation industry working professionally on cartoons for TV. I'm constantly getting messages from students like, how can I get a job or like, what advice do you have for networking or portfolios? And even people who are working in the industry, they're also like, amazed like whoa how did you get freelance when you're also working full-time and like how are you able to time management that so I'm kind of like getting questions from both sides and I'll do um I'll do Skype talks with classes like mostly like from my school but just recently I've been getting asked to do uh Skype talks with classes from other um art schools which has been a lot of fun um and a lot of the a lot of the Q&A's that I get, it's kind of like the same kind of questions. And I also think about all the, this is a long pitch for this book. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the I'm already out of the elevator. I'm <laughs> I know, I know, you're already out. It's like, ah, I lost them. Um, and I'm also just kind of thinking of when I graduated, all the things that I didn't know, like when I graduated and that I had to learn like on my own. Um, so I'm combining everything all the answers to all the questions all the things that i wish i knew when i graduated and i'm putting it all together in this new ebook and the book is called your animated journey and it's fully written and it's with the editor right now and i'm just trying to create a resource that can help students get into the industry or even people who are in the industry, maybe like they just started, but there's still aspects in their career that are lacking or they don't know how to progress in. Um, so it's just providing like that outlet because everywhere online or books or there's YouTube tutorials, like how to animate in this program, how to do cutout, how to do hand-drawn, like 
there's everything for the animation, like to learn the animation, but there's nothing about how to network, like how to do an interview and like build your portfolio, like have a good LinkedIn profile. There's nothing like that. So I feel like I'm just trying to fill that gap and try to help anyone that needs help with those things. I think, yeah, I think that's a good point. It's also a very similar reason why I started this podcast. But uh, there's like a, like I had this perception and I think this is a common perception, especially among artists, where it's like my art is the be all and end all of how I get a job. Like uh, that's all I'm going to spend my time on is perfecting my art, getting better. And it's so intimidating to see like people in studios whose art is better. And it's like, okay, if I can just up my game in this area, then I can get a job. But when in fact, it's more like, uh, there's like a bar of of like artistic skill you need and and kind of the rest is like what you said networking and like figuring out interview skills and I, I also feel like I felt that way the same like as well I was constantly comparing my portfolio to kids in my class or other people's portfolios that I would find online and it would create such anxiety because you're like it's it's like you're running the same race. You're like, okay, I'm going to make a new animation, but it just looks like exactly what you did. And you spent all these months and weeks like doing it, but it's still, you're still falling into those same habits. You're still creating the same kind of stuff. So you're just, it's not really making quality. You're just making quantity. And that's not always the answer. So I feel like what really kind of changed my thinking gear was my personality i was forgetting about okay my animation might not be the best animation but as a person i'm really easy to work with and i get along with others and i love being in like a team atmosphere and i have great time management and things like that and i'm really professional when i need to at the same time i can be really easygoing and like funny and things like that So I think once I started taking the pressure off of how strong my portfolio is and putting more emphasis on just building up me as a person and how I present myself and what I bring to the table just as an an animator kind of just just being an artist, um, that really like helped me a lot with like when it came to the interviews and when it came to reaching out to people. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people kind of forget that (laughs) to do that. Can you, is there like something specific that you learned that you think really helped you land one of your roles that was not art related that you just kind of talked about the people skills and stuff? Um, I mean, I remember even when it was like for my internship where it was with my class and we were doing a tour and then every like we would go around introducing ourselves and then everyone was like, oh, like my name and like this is what I want to do. And like my favorite cartoon shows are this and this. And then it came to me and I was like, hi, I'm Josh. I'm from New Jersey. And then the director's like, oh, I'm from New Jersey also. And he was like in Boston. And I was like, oh, no way. And then we were just like talking. And it was just like everyone was just watching us have like like a back and forth, just like talking like, oh, you're from the north, you're from south, like, oh, you still have family there and things like that. So we're just having like a regular conversation. And then after that, he was just like, 
yeah, like, uh, I want to offer you a position, like, later on, like, emailing stuff. And I was just like, why did you hire me? Like, I asked him, I was like, sure, I'm like, what, like, what was it that you hired me? And he's like, you're, like, I saw your work, and you pretty much, like, you know what you're doing, but also from the time that I spent with you, you're normal. Like, I just thought that you were just normal. And I was like, can you, like, put a little bit more, emph- like, I was like, can you elaborate a little bit? And he was just like, yeah, like, I'll get people that have amazing portfolios. And I was like, oh, my God, like, I need I need this person to be on our team and then call them in for the interview. And then they're socially awkward. They're not making eye contact. They're dressed really bad. And then it's like after like a few questions, it's like, OK, I'm getting a bad feeling about this person. Like, I don't think they're going to mix well with the team. Um, so, I mean, that's that's like one example that I can think of. And then it's just like it kind of like as like guru is going to be probably like the 15th studio that I've worked with um, in like the six years. I mean, like granted, like I've freelanced for a lot of studios. So maybe guru is like the 10th, like the ninth or 10th studio that I've been to like in-house. And then the rest is like freelance uh, studios that I work for. But like once you go through all these interviews, it's like less and less stress and it just becomes like a rhythm, kind of like, you know what they're going to ask, you know how to act. And again, it's just like I know like the bar I need to set for like my engagement and like the personality I need to show, like not too eager, but like not too desperate kind of thing. Um, And it just becomes like second nature and you just like. Like, they show me, like, so this is what we're working on. What do you think? I was like, yeah, this looks great. Like, I'm really fast. I can meet deadlines. Like, I know what I bring to the table. And it's just being, it's just having that confidence, really. And that's what helps me getting through the interviews and getting the job is just showing that I have the confidence in my ability and the confidence that I know that I will mix in well with the team. Yeah, um, from my first job, something that stuck with me was one with but one of my coworkers said like you spend more time with your coworkers than you do with your own family, so it's really important to find somebody yes. that you match well with. And if if you're like awkward and quiet and avoiding eye contact in an interview, like goodbye, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's funny though because like when you walk into like you went to uh, Guru not too long ago, like. Everyone just has their headphones on and everyone's just plugged in, like typing on the Cintiq or they're just like messaging in the group chat. So it's kind of like a contradiction where it's like, oh, yeah, we want people who are outgoing. But then again, the studio, like no one's talking, like everyone's plugged into the computer, headphones in, like it's super quiet. But it is like you do have that interaction with like the supervisor comes over and sits down and then you're like kind of discussing like what your shot is and like how to go about achieving it. Or like when you have meetings to go over the episode, like everyone's giving like opinions or like asking questions to get stuff. So there is like there is the small aspect where it's like there is open communication. You should be able to like get your point across and have your opinion heard. Makes sense. Yeah, I think I think that's important too. So uh, maybe just coming back to the book to wrap wrap up why you created it. Um, yeah. And and I'm assuming we like covered some of the topics that are in the book. But what are some of the highlights that you cover specifically in the book? Like, I I haven't gone through 
Uh, I haven't announced the chapters yet, so I could do that right now. All right. Prem- yeah. World premiere chapter announcement on this podcast right now. <laughs> oh, you have to load it up on your computer first? No, no, no I have it already. Uh, okay, so I have like kind of like the the titles and then like the subtitles. Um, this is pretty much set in stone. I don't know. I hope my editor doesn't like change a lot of it. Um, so I wanted it to be like a nice flow from like beginning to end with like your career and, um, pretty much like every obstacle you're going to face. And I wanted the book to kind of be like, you don't have to read it front to back. It's like, Oh, I'm having issues with my resume. So it's like, you just go to the chapter about like, resumes business cards kind of thing so it's kind of like whatever aspect you need help in you just go right away um so first we have introduction and the subtitle is the calm before the storm (laughs) we have animation pipeline which is cartoons on a conveyor belt uh school how to learn things and stuff Looking for work, done with being a couch potato. Okay. Networking, the important chapter. (laughs) Uh, Business cards and resumes, let the paper do the talking. Then we have portfolio, show the world your art. Uh, We have social media, hashtag please like me. Then we have events, fun with strangers. Then we have working, doing what you love. Money, you want to pay me how much? Question mark. Uh, Canada, you make cartoons, eh? Oh, my God. (laughs) Interviews, war stories, and advice. So the interviews, um, I asked over like 10 people in the industry across the country. And I have people who own the animation studio, recruiters, storyboard artists for Cartoon Network, Nickelodeon, animation riggers, animation directors, animation supervisors, all, and they all have like specific questions for them. So even the recruiter, like she has a whole paragraph, she hired me, And she gave a whole paragraph, like, these are my do's and don'ts for an interview, like when you have an interview with me. And with um, the owner of the animation studio, he's like, this is the vibe that I try to set, like, in the studio. This is the community of artists I'm trying to build. And, like, this is the type of person that I would want to work with me. And the animation director giving advice on, like, How can you go from an animator to a supervisor to a director? Like, how can you get promoted within the studio? How do you network within a studio, even when you have the job? And I feel like these are things that, like, people are so, like, obviously, there's so much emphasis on just getting the job and getting in. But then there's, like, do you want to grow? Do you want to get promoted? And these are things that people don't even, like, think about. So it's good things that to like keep in the back of your mind and here's like the advice or if you're already in the industry and you want to move up like here's the advice kind of thing um and then the final chapter is just called you uh the most important person in your life and it's just kind of like some helpful tips 
and kind of like building your confidence and just working on your personality and things like that. And just some like motivational advice that kind of like after reading the book and having like so much anxiety and like being like overblown with uh, information, it's just kind of grounding the reader and just kind of giving them kind of like the pep talk they need and kind of like the kick in the butt to like get out there and like start making like progress. I think you've covered everything except uh, podcasts in this. Podcasts. I got to write that yeah. up now. <laughs> you have to be on an animation podcast if you want to succeed in this yes. industry. Yes. <laughs> Typically this one. Um, no, this, this sounds great. It's like exactly uh, like everything compiled into like one sounds like a really helpful guide. Uh, my one question, though, is do I really need a business card? I hate business cards. Do I need one? I, I love business cards. I no, love there's ah, why I got I got a job opportunity from my business card. OK, tell me about it. So I was at. Um, so I always had business cards always like since high, uh, since college. And I was always like at networking events, always giving them out. Like, I was like, Oh, can I give me my card? Like, do you have a card? I have a card, like always giving it out. Um, and then finally, like a year ago, I was like, all right, I'm going to build like a badass business card. Like one of those, like, Whoa, this is cool. And I'm going to like invest a lot into it. Um, so what I did was, oh, I wish I had it on me. Um, so what I did, should I go grab it? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Just describe it, I think. Okay, okay. So what I did was, um, I did it like on Vistaprint. What I did on the back of the card, I got every single character that I animated for past shows I put them on the back of the card so it's just like a collage of characters that I worked on so it's almost like a visual portfolio so right on the card I can just give the card and be like by the way that's everything I worked on so right away they see it and then I was at and then on the other side, it's just like a cartoon version of me. And then it's like my information. But like I paid extra to like have it like glossy. I have like the text kind of like um, awesome. like bumpy and stuff like that. So it's like really thick and stuff. So I was at um, I was at Taffy in Toronto. Great event. Everyone should go. And it was the job fair. And there's one animation studio there and I didn't have anything to do at the at the moment so I walked up and I was like oh like um they had like two representatives who like work at the studio and I was talking to them I was like where are you guys located like oh I think I heard you guys were working on this show what are you guys working on now and then I think they just like assumed I was like still a student because they get so many students like after a while they just think everyone's a student um so then I was like, okay, cool. Like, I'm interested in like finding some freelance. Do you have open for freelance? They're like, yeah, yeah. Like, here's our information. Like, reach out to jobs at blah, blah, blah.com, which is like the information that they give everyone. So I was like, all right, um, could I give you like my card and like we can connect on LinkedIn and stuff? They're like, yeah, sure. So then I gave my card. And I was like, this is all the shows I worked on. She's like, whoa, you worked on this show? And like, oh my God, like, I love this show. Like, oh, so you're like a professional, like you've done all this. And I was like, yeah. And she's like, okay, stay right here. And I was like, yeah, sure. 
And then she went and got like the head of recruiting. And I heard her, she was like, hi, can I borrow you? Like, this is actually like important. And then brought her over and she's like, this is Josh. Like, here's his card. Like he's been in the industry this long. Like he's interested in freelance. And then she looked at the car and she's like, oh, you worked on this show. So you were at this studio and you worked on this. So you're at this studio. I was like, yeah. She's like, okay, I think you would be like seeing, just seeing the characters. I think you would be a perfect fit for this one show that we're on. And like, if you want to email me next week, like I could get you work by like the end of the month. Like we need people. Like, I think you'd be a good fit. Like just, that was just off my business card. And I was like, holy crap. Like it was great. I think it was smart to show on the back all the characters. That's like an immediately way, immediate way for the person who's viewing it to make their own conclusions versus like you trying to like pitch yourself constantly. And yeah. now you're going to see everybody with the characters on the back of their business cards. I know, right? But even like, I feel like a lot of people just do like one side of the card and they don't do like both sides. So it's like utilizing both sides, but also some, you got to be like, choosy with like if you're doing your own personal work on the card like making sure it's still like like it still fits and it's still like it shows like um your range of like what you can do and work on so it's really tough when it's like your own personal work so i was lucky to like you know being having all this professional work to just like put that all together to show like okay i worked on little cute characters and i worked on like more like realistic characters kind of thing but um yeah so i love business cards and even when like having a conversation with someone at an event i'll always ask them like oh do you mind if i give you my business card so we can keep in touch and then when they give me their card i'll always get a pen and then write down on the card like what we talked about or like oh they told me to like email them about this or something and then i'll like take a photo of the card because you can always lose the card um but yeah it's it's funny because it's like it's 2020 like everything is digital now but something about the business card it just it never gets outdated and it's still useful with like the networking well even if it just paid off once then it does have a use i just prefer to ask somebody for their email immediately and then just send them an email and then we're chatting <laughs> um, do you just pull out your phone and write down their email yeah i'm just like if, if i get asked for a business card i want their business card i just say hey can, can we can i have your email and we'll take the conversation through email and i haven't been turned down yet so yeah and then and then i don't have to worry about like getting home and like typing in a business card or getting lost in their business card I think or whatever like rush like you know the person's just leaving or it's like a group of people come and then they're gonna end the conversation with you to talk to someone else it's like real quick i just want to give you my card or it's like in passing kind of thing it's to me it's like situations like that's good but if you're just like conversation is going well then to do it your way i i completely agree well maybe i should get some business cards then um i have one more question about the book before i want to talk to you about networking because i think that's like you said in your book, it's like the most, it's a really important topic. And I think you have some good advice on this, but for you, um, what would make the book a success for you? Because you said you've been talking to like a lot of students and doing all these talks and getting a lot of questions. So now you've kind of compiled your brain into this book. What is going to make it a kind of success in your mind? Just if I can help, if one student that gets out of school 
can get the book and then they can say with the advice I was able to like actually get a job in the animation industry like that'll make me happy and I'm already like talking with a teacher who taught at my school so it's a little bit biased but she's like I'm gonna like if this is actually like really good I'm gonna make this like required reading like for this for the class like in the syllabus like every student needs to read this book because it's like a business of animation class so and i'm trying to like i'm trying to market to a lot of animation schools just to like get the word out to colleges and if like the school can like kind of promote this to the students and like every year students are like constantly getting on like using it as a resource like that would make me happy just like a, a recycle of just helping students every year or people who are in the industry but want to succeed just any just helping people is just and getting like that feedback in return that i was able to help them with my advice or the advice from the q a from other people that i was able to get into the book that's that's all i want nice i think connecting with professors is like a smart marketing strategy too because they're always going to be connected with students um so on the topic of networking which I think is really, really, really important, but also very, very hard to do and to do effectively. What is what is your take on how to, you know, what kind of mindset do you need to network effectively? What actions do you recommend? Like, what is what is networking for you? I guess. Um. All right. So networking. So first, I'm trying to like think of like simplifying it because it's so big. Um. First, it's doing the research because you can't network unless you know who to network with. So it's doing the research like, okay, where are the animation studios? So it's like doing the research of like, where's the animation studio? What shows are they working on? Things like that. Then when you have that information, then it's reaching out to people who work at the studio. And this kind of ties in with LinkedIn. Like I've been using LinkedIn like all the time. I'm on it every day. And that really is like the number one tool that I use for networking with just uh, doing my research with just doing basic searches and finding people that work at studios and then connecting with them on LinkedIn and messaging them to be like... Sorry, on LinkedIn, uh, say you find somebody that you think is interesting to connect with. What do you, how do you do that? What do you say to like make that connection? Um, usually, I'll, so I'll search for the studio on LinkedIn and then it'll show like all the employees and then maybe it'll be like animation supervisor or lead animator. And then I'll, and then I'll see their profile and I'll see that on their profile, they've worked in the industry for many years. So it's like, okay, this person is a professional, they have the experience. And then most times, like if I have like animation artists in my title and they're an animator and then I send the request, it's like, oh, this guy is also an animator. He like, we have that in common. So they're always gonna like pretty, like nine times out of 10, they're gonna accept. And then it's just like building that initial conversation of like, hey, like I saw you work on this and this, like that's impressive. Like this is kind of my background and just kind of like 
planting that seed of just like just keeping in contact and just kind of every now and then just like asking questions like so when's production going to wrap or like is there going to be a new season and right there it's like it's you I'm never coming out like I need a job get me a job like things like that like that's terrible it's it's always like playing the field and just like asking simple questions um to just get your information while also staying connected with them by like when they post something like responding to their posts or like liking their posts and stuff. So it's, and like commenting like, Oh man, like they just posted some new animation. Um, and you're like, Whoa, this is like super cool. So it's like staying connected and asking the right questions and then using that information to then later on, um, apply it towards like, okay, now I like actually getting the job. So that's pretty much, networking in a nutshell and then also like finding out about events and going to events and talking to people um yeah so so on linkedin you're not uh maybe aggressive is the wrong word but you're not aggressively trying to get something from this person you're just kind of trying to start a casual conversation about work related stuff and yeah how does it yeah. pay off for you it pays off because when you connect with multiple people from multiple different studios and then you're asking those little questions you kind of fill in like okay this studio is going to wrap up production in the summer this studio is going to be starting production in like right before the summer so it's kind of like you're using that information to then know when's the right time to apply or like asking like, who do I need to talk to? And then like, after you build that, like initial kind of just connection with the person of just casual talking, then it's like, okay, you know, this person's been liking all my posts and they've been following me and they've been really cool and they haven't been like aggressively bothering me through messaging or like asking questions. So it's like, yeah, I'll, I'll give them like, the you know the person for hr and then it's like right there you have your end so instead of applying to jobs at blah 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 you're applying to nicole.hr at that studio so it's like now you have kind of like you're you bumped your way up as opposed to everyone else who didn't uh find out that information makes sense how many uh it sounds like you're talking to like a thousand people at once how many people I, are you I, actually i think i have to? a uh, like a thousand five hundred connections on LinkedIn, and they're all within the animation industry. Yeah, but you're not talking actively to all of them, or are you? No, a lot of it's like I'll just randomly, cause like once you start, like after a hundred or something, the algorithm for LinkedIn, like everyone, when you go to like network, all the suggestions are gonna be artists, or it's gonna be like this person's connected with this person. So you might know. So sometimes I'll just randomly go through the list and I'll just be reading titles and it's just like animation director for the studio or or like HR for the studio. And then I'll just go connecting. That's also the big thing. I'll I'll always search for um, project coordinators or like uh, recruiter HR management. I'll always like search for them and I'll always connect with them. 
but I'll never like message them right away. Maybe I'll message like, Hey, like, thank you for like accepting my request. Would love to like work at the studio sometime. And then they're like, Oh, thanks. Like, uh, like, uh, keep watching out for like updates and stuff like that, which is like a casual response. But then they're the ones that on LinkedIn, they'll post like, Hey, next month we're going to have a new show ramping up. So like, please uh, direct message me with like your portfolio. So because I connected with them already, I have that in with seeing their, their posts and they're the ones posting about all the job updates before it's like a put on indeed or put on like cartoon North or something like that. So it's kind of having that in. So it's like just strategically thinking who to connect with and who is active with LinkedIn about posting this this really useful information. That that's really smart too because I imagine when when an HR person posts like you know we're looking for animators right now they get like a flood of connections and stuff but you've already connected with them so your DM just automatically comes up and they don't have to you know go yeah. through and figure out who you are before connecting. So that's yeah. That's really and I, and then I and I and I always see like when I connect like eventually it'll be like oh they viewed your profile so they might just like skim through just to like take note like okay this guy has some experience as opposed to like okay like maybe just right out of school so it's it's going to be like a typical application but and then and then I feel like they'll see something and maybe take a note and then I've had them like reply back to me um, like, Hey, I saw on your profile, like you've worked on this flash show. Like we have a flash show coming up. So they will like take the time to go through the profiles that they connect with and take little notes like on the side. And they've reached out to me, even though I haven't like messaged them like, Oh, I need a job right now. Like things like that. What is your take on networking in real life, like at Taffy or at a conference? Because I'm assuming it's much different than using LinkedIn's algorithm to, you know, network. It's, it's much different um, because now it's kind of like in person and you never know when's like a good time to talk to someone kind of thing. Or you could be nervous, um, like everything, every every possible aspect is like thrown in. Um, I usually try to like bounce off of people. So I'll be like, oh, I know this one person. So then I'll be talking to them and then they'll be like next to someone else. And then it's like, oh, like they'll introduce me to that person. And then I'll be like, oh, like you're working on this show. Like, is there anyone here else with you from that studio? And it's like, oh yeah, like my supervisor's right over there. Like his name's blah 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 like you can he's totally cool go talk to him and be like all right and then i'll go up and i'll be like hey like i was just talking to so and so and they told me you're the supervisor so it's like i just bounced off and like that's my in and if i don't have an in i'll kind of just um if it's someone just like hanging out by themselves i'll just politely go up and be like hey how's it going like oh, I see on your name tag, like you have this studio, like how do you like working there and stuff? So it's like, it's trying to like use things to build a conversation. Um, a lot of times if someone gave a talk or um, they just like had a presentation, 
there's always like a line of people that want to talk with the person after. So I'll kind of just like stand back and wait for an opening and then I'll just go in and be like, Hey, I just heard your talk. Like, this is great. Like I would love to connect with you kind of thing. So it's, it's, it's always trying to just find an easy way to talk to someone and connect. And then knowing that they have the same interests that you have, they have the same goals that you have, you're in the same industry, like you can talk the same language with animation. And it's kind of like setting your goal, like, what do you want to get out of it? Do you just want to meet someone just to have that kind of connection? So it's like, oh, I met someone from that studio. Now I can always ask them like, hey, how's production going over there? How are things going? Or is it like, I need a job. So then it's asking people like, hey, um, it was really nice talking to you. If I wanted to like apply, like, do you know who's the best person to talk to kind of thing? Um, so it's just, it's it's asking the right questions and just being confident because not every, like it's a very small industry. So everyone knows everyone, but there's still a lot of people that don't know each other and everyone's constantly meeting. So it's expected. It's expected to have strangers coming up to you and just introducing themselves. And then, and it's just being open-minded and being polite at the same time. I was actually going to ask you about that because uh, so far when we talked about networking, it was more like there's a long-term goal of just kind of connecting with this person and seeing when the opportunity is going to pay off down the road. But say, you know, I'm straight out of school I'm looking for a job like actively, I want something today or tomorrow, and I'm at a networking event or I'm on LinkedIn. How do you approach that when you want to kind of aggressively capture someone and, you know, <laughs> jump into that studio role versus like wait for an opportunity? Um, definitely. It, it's like you don't want to sound desperate. So you don't you don't want to come off like, Oh, like, I really need a job. Like, what can I do? Like, can you help me get a job? Like, obviously that person's going to be like, whoa, like too much. But I think, um, usually at these events, there's always like an HR representative for like a studio. There's someone like high up. So I guess it's just, it's like just taking a shot and just saying like, Hey, you know, like I just graduated and I'm, I'm very much interested in working at the studio who can I talk to further about this? Or like, uh, when would you say is a good time to apply as opposed to like, and it's just like keeping it very casual, like just asking for a little bit and hoping to get a lot back. So it's just asking, who can I talk to? When's the right time to apply, but not like going up to everyone and being like, can you sit, can you stand for a minute and watch my animation reel? And it's like, yeah, I'm an, an like that person might be an animation supervisor and they might give some advice, but it's like, they don't not, they might not often want to give advice right there. They're not the right person to like talk to, or they can't help kind of thing. Gotcha. Um, oh. so it's just, it's just trying to ask the right questions and using people to point you in the right direction. Gotcha. So there's kind of like, I guess we talked about two different types of networking. There's like the long-term goal where you just want to connect with everybody and anybody yeah. and just establish a relationship so that it pays off where you're gathering information and when you need something or an opportunity comes up versus right. the short term, I want something right now. Networking is more about who specifically to talk to that can help versus yeah. just like the animation director or something. 
And even so, even when I go to the events, I'm still meeting with people just to keep that long-term connection. Yeah. Like it would be like, hey, we met a year ago at the last event. I just wanted to keep up and just see how things are going at the studio now. So it's like it's still it's it's even I'll do that online and I'll still do that with the with the people that I meet. I still like, hey, let's add on Instagram and then eventually like I'll direct message them like, Hey, I saw you posted that you worked on that show. Like that was really great. Is there going to be a season two kind of thing? Do you know if they're going to need more help? So it sounds like you are kind of naturally good at networking, (laughs) but for some people, I know know it takes a lot of energy. Maybe it takes a lot of energy for you too, like to step outside of their comfort zone or maybe they're introverted. What is, what is something that can really help them do that? Yeah. It, it is tough. I, I will say, like, I put all my energy into it. And then the next day, it's like, I'm drained. Like, I won't leave the house. I'm like sitting in the dark watching TV. It's like, I can't talk to anyone because I'm so drained. Um, with the people that are like introverted and stuff, it's just like, you just got to put yourself out there. It's like, everyone's human. And there's nothing wrong with like, being introverted. I feel like, when I was younger, I always tried to, to surround myself with people who are extroverts and they kind of like their personality rubbed off on me. Like if you're always hanging out with people who don't like going out, they just want to stay in all the time and like pretty much basically introverts. Um, if you surround yourself with introverts, then it's going to be harder for you to want to become an extrovert because you're used to just that small group of people. Even when like I was in college, there was an animation club and it was just all the animation students. And they're like, Hey Josh, why don't you join? And I was like, I see and talk to you guys every day. I rather join the flag football club and talk with people who I don't have class with at all. And I get to play sports and like meet a whole new community of people and they're also outgoing and like want to be active and stuff um i so i feel like i definitely had like um oh there was a word for it ambivert so if you're there's um introvert and extrovert if you're in the middle it's called ambivert if i'm pronouncing it right so that's when you're like a little bit both so like you can talk to people and be like outgoing but then after it's like, okay, now I need my time to like recharge and like just be by myself. So there's a word. For, so I always felt like I was right in the middle where like there are times where it's like, I'm going to talk to everyone. And there's times where I'm at a party and it's like, oh, I'm just not feeling it. Like, I just want to do my own thing or just talk to one or two people and then I'm going to leave. Um, so, yeah, it's just like you're not going to get it right at the first try when going to an event you know maybe you talk to a few people and then that's enough and then you leave like maybe like setting little goals for yourself like i'm gonna get five business cards from people at an event or like i'm gonna i'm gonna wait online for two animation studios and i'm gonna talk to them and it's just like building it up and kind of like writing down rules for yourself like okay when i meet someone shake their hand like with a firm grip or like when they're talking like don't be like or like if you're saying like don't be shaking your leg kind of thing like don't be cutting them off when they talk and these are little things like 
you just kind of you just kind of think about like, okay, they're talking and I really want to say something, but it's like, let them finish talking to be respectful, which is kind of like a pet peeve for someone, you know, if someone's like talking and then they cut you off all the time and you feel like you can't have like a nice back and forth conversation, then it's like, how can I wouldn't want to work with this person because this is how they're going to be when I'm giving them notes on the animation. They're like, Oh, but, but like, I just want to do this. And like, I thought this, and it's like, dude, calm down. Like I'm giving the critique and then you take in and then you give your point. You know, it's like, it's just building these personality traits and just keeping um, little goals for yourself and trying to build on everything. And then eventually it just gets easier and easier. Like I've been to the event so many times, like it's like, I'm just walking through what happens, happens and anything that any good connection is great. I like what you said about the small goals because uh, when I first approached networking years back, it was like super intimidating because there's this expectation that you're going to like have this amazing conversation with somebody and then that's going to lead into a job. But if your goal is to like have a firm handshake with the person that you meet or like, uh, you know, if you're listening right now, maybe your goal can be connect with two people on LinkedIn. Like that's super small and you can build off of that instead of jumping into the deep end all at once. So I think this is a good kind of segue into the last thing I wanted to talk about. So we talked about kind of, you know, upping your skills in an artistic way and then networking. So say you're doing those two things. And then you mentioned the last chapter of your book was on you yourself. So what is something, how can I, and we kind of talked about like forcing yourself out of your comfort zone. What's like the biggest thing that you had to work on or you recommend people work on when it comes to themselves after the connections and networking and the skills um definitely like being patient because you want a job asap but when people like when recruiters send out like an open position the job won't start for like another three months they're just like putting the job out there so when you apply they're, they have hundreds of people applying back. So it's like, I remember I would spend hours like refreshing my email, refreshing my email and just being like, okay, they said they would get back to me Wednesday. It's Wednesday. Like, why aren't they getting back to me? Like, what the hell? And it's so it's like definitely being patient because there's a lot of waiting. Like your ASAP is completely different than a recruiter's ASAP. And especially having positions where it's like it, I, I would always have it happen in threes where I'll have three different people with three different projects approach me and they're like, we want you to work on this. And it's this time to this time for freelance. Are you available? And it's like, sure. And you have to say yes to everyone because two out of the three isn't going to happen. Like they're going to get back like, oh, it didn't get greenlit or, oh, the client changed their mind kind of thing. So it doesn't happen. Um, so it's definitely being patient. And then and then the anxiety part, like you're going to put so much pressure on yourself. Like there was times where I didn't have any work and any time that I would spend the day like just playing Xbox and watching TV, I would feel like terrible because it's like I wasn't on LinkedIn today. I didn't apply to a studio day. And that would like leave me with like such like anxiety that I, I wasn't doing enough. Um, 
so definitely like you want to be active with searching but you don't have to do it every day like you should still enjoy your life and still have hobbies and aspects that you enjoy outside of the animation world and yeah so those are two things and then and then again just all the introvert stuff extrovert stuff and like saying little goals like those are also things i talk about in the you thing and i i try to make the chapter like I almost wanted it to be like writing to myself to give myself advice when I was first graduating. But I also think about the other kids who were in my class who I was like when it was freshman year, it was probably like 25, 30 kids in the class. And then by like the second year, half of them, more than half, went to illustration because they're like animation's too hard i just want to be an illustrator and when i graduated my graduating class was only 10 students including me out of that 10 i'm the only one working in the industry all the other like one is doing like graphic design motion design the others are like working at costco working at like car agency working at like security system like they couldn't make it and it was because when they would get a critique on their work like they would start tearing up because they would take it too emotionally and they they thought like oh their work wasn't good or when they had to talk about their work and give a presentation they were mumbling and they were like super nervous so i'm kind of like thinking back to the personalities of the kids, of the students that were in my class that unfortunately weren't able to get into the industry. So I'm kind of thinking of ways of what I could have today, what advice I could have given them back then at that time to help them get out of that rut and change their mindset and change their personality to which is what ended up making them not be able to get into the industry. Nice. That, that makes sense. And I, I'm really glad you kind of touched on these three different areas for this chat, because I think those are all very like taking feedback and like the patients. It's all like very important to just life in general, <laughs> like not even animation. Right. <laughs> um, but those are those are only things that like I learned specifically through, you know, going through school and having a career and stuff like nobody kind of taught me those things. So I'm really happy that you kind of put those in there is. Is there anything else that you think would be important to share, uh, I guess, as we're wrapping up or yourself or anything? There's there's no there's no right way to like getting into the industry. Like maybe, you know, someone and you got in. Maybe your work is amazing and you got in. Maybe your work is okay, but you have a great personality and you got in like no one gets into the industry the same way and you should be okay with whatever happens. Like when I graduated, I went like a year without, like I didn't get my first in-house studio job until a year after graduating. So like the whole year, it was like very little freelance jobs for like a couple hundred of bucks. And like I was lucky to be still living at home at the time so I could save up. But I almost feel like in my circumstance, I went the long way where I was like 
working very little jobs. And even my first job was like advertising, doing like kind of explainer videos. And then I was able to build off of that and then eventually get into doing cartoons for TV. There are other people who are like 19, 20 years old, straight out of college, and they get my job. And I'm like, that's incredible. But at the same time, there's something about going through the grind that gives you that harder outer shell that it's like, you know how hard it is out there. So you're more appreciative and grateful for the opportunity you have now. Not saying that like going from school right into a job is a bad thing, but I, it's almost like going through the bad kind of makes you appreciate the good jobs later on. So I almost feel like if you don't get a job right out of school, that's fine. And you can still build off of that experience to having a successful career. Yeah, yeah. It actually took me eight months to find my first job out of business school. So I, I definitely feel that too. And especially like going through a different career and now coming into animation. Um, but if there's there's like one thing I've learned from this podcast is like every single person has a completely different path. And just because yeah. somebody, like you said, somebody got in because their art was amazing, doesn't discount that you got in because you knew somebody um, yeah. at the same time. So yeah. Um, is there it's, anything- just, it's just relieving that, that pressure, just taking that pressure off of you and just knowing that if you want it to happen and you're really putting everything you have into it, it's going to happen one way or the other. Yeah. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to share as we wrap up? Um, name of your book yet. What? I don't think you said the name of your book. I think I did. Did I yeah. not? I, I think I did. Uh, so the name of the book is Your Animated Journey. Yeah. And um, yeah. It's going to be great. <laughs> I'm like blanking on the, um, oh, um, Joel McKenzie. He's one of my like favorite um, artists and he, he's an independent artist, but he's done freelance for like a lot of studios. So I reached out to him and he did the, the cover of the book and it's, wow, it's beautiful. Right. I love the cover. It's so great. Um, yeah. So it's with the editor right now. And I have an Indiegogo for it just to raise some money to help me with the editor, but also people can pre-order the book. And I'm hoping, I'm trying my best to get it out by September of this year, September 2020. And yeah, I, I really hope people like it. And I think it's going to be very useful to everyone. And it's a passion project. And it's almost like therapy, me getting all my info and everything I'm constantly thinking about, like onto uh, into the book. It, it's great therapy for me. And it's going to be an ebook, so people can just download the PDF and uh, read it on their phone, read it on their MacBooks and stuff. Nice. It, it sounds really valuable. I mean, like from what we chatted about, especially for me, the networking chat we had, I think is is really good. So, yeah. yeah. And I go into way more detail about that. And then it's also in the Q&A, like they give their input on how they network and what they think is good networking. And a lot of it's funny because I, I give my opinion and then I give like examples of why I have my opinion. And then the Q&A kind of backs up like what I was saying. <laughs> Gotcha. Well, cool. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Josh. I'm really, uh, really excited we got to chat.
<laughs> yeah, this was great. This was like better than I expected. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, and if you're listening and you'd like to follow Josh and his work, you can do so by checking out his Instagram, which is that kid Pinker, or you can go to his website, which is pinkerart.com. And if you'd like to check out his book, you can do so by going to youranimatedjourney.com. And I'll include all those links in the description of this podcast. So make sure you check them out. And that's all for now. So thank you so much for listening. Okay. Bye. Bye.